The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Your Critically Acclaimed, the podcast where it's your critically acclaimed. It's yours, and it, and you are also critically acclaimed. That's true. There's double meaning in that. Uh, my name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibel. I, too, am a critic, and I don't have a cool nickname. And and yet, here you are. Uh, and, uh, yeah, this is a podcast that is dedicated uh, to our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. Uh, you request at a certain tier. Uh, you can have your own podcast made for you to spec. Uh, you give us a pitch for what you want as a podcast, and you know we might need to have a small conversation about it. But generally speaking, it's a rubber stamp. It sounds good. Let's do it. And we're way behind on them, but this is one we've been wanting to get to for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, this comes from our patron, David Cooper. And David Cooper wanted us to talk about a film that won the Nigerian Academy Award for Best Picture. And I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't really talked a lot about uh, what is called Nollywood, mm-hmm. uh, which is, is Nigerian Hollywood. Yeah, which is actually a kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these movies don't get screened uh, here in America or they don't get a lot of fanfare. Uh, and that stinks. And, yeah. you know, unfortunately, America is very big about trying to send all of our movies out everywhere in the world. But when it comes to bringing other movies into America, <clears throat> All of a sudden, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of space. But fortunately, streaming services, which are you know just constantly just pulling at all from wherever they can find they, to get new movies and TV shows, they, they show. just want to fill their coffers. They yeah. just need movies. Yeah, it's a shame they don't go further back into history for it. But there is a lot of international cinema and a lot of international television that's available, mm-hmm. even at larger services like Netflix. And that's true here. Where they have been showing the 2019? No, 2018. 2018, It won the 2019 Nigerian Academy Award for Best Picture. But it's a 2018 crime drama called King of Boys. I have a question for you. I want you to think carefully before you answer. Baba, we need to see you. I you have destroyed the battle line. Stand him up. You have stepped on the tail of the tiger. King uh, of Boys. King of Boys. It's um, it's a three-hour crime epic, uh, very much in the vein of The Godfather. In fact, 
very much in the vein of The Godfather because a lot of the story beats are, are kind of similar, especially at the beginning. Well, I feel like it starts off very much at The Godfather. It opens <clears throat> at a big party, for example, yeah. where there's this um, uh, crime lord uh, played by, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, uh, Solo Sabawale. Uh, she plays uh, a crime boss named uh, Eniola Salami. Uh, and she has worked her way up from nothing. And as the film progresses, we start getting a bit more Godfather Part 2 kind of flashbacks as we see her, like, Rise, fight, rise through the ranks. Rise through the ranks, hell. fight her way through it in a way that, you know, as a woman, she wasn't really allowed into that world, but mm-hmm. she used the resources she had at her, disposable, uh, at her disposal to manipulate a crime boss into leaving her everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see her... In just full glow, she's like buying off senators and she's giving like, you know, free favors to the people oh, in exchange nice. for, you know, personal favors, not unlike the Godfather. Uh, it, getting love from the community is a big part of it. She actually yeah. helps people out. Um, so uh, they will love her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she calls herself king, not queen. Mm-hmm. She is the king of boys. And it's king of boys because all of the, the other like crime bosses are... Uh, hot-headed and really impetu- uh, tempestuous. Mm-hmm. They're like killing each other and they're really eager to get violence started and she kind of understands that's just play. That's not the way to... That's yeah. ma- You can kill somebody and rise to the top but you won't stay there. There's a, there's a line Violators. I really like in the movie uh, Way of the Gun <clears throat> um, where uh, James Caan plays a hitman and this is not like young James Caan. This is like James Caan from like the last 20 years where he's, he's an old man now. Mm. Uh, and someone disrespects him and he... he Explains to them, you're, you're disrespecting me because I'm old. Mm. How many hitmen do you know who get to be old? <laughs> if someone's old in this business, you know they're good at what they do. Because mm. it's a business that attracts young, mm. impetuous people who want to live fast, die young, and leave a good-looking corpse. Um, so... She's surrounded by people who, yeah, they have ambition, but they're not necessarily smart, uh, nor are they particularly uh, patient. Mm. And she's constantly having to fight to retain power, but she's got her own shit. She's got two kids, uh, one of whom she adopted from uh, a friend who died a long time ago, and she has been raised to become like the consigliere. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to use the mafioso term, you know, the, the lawyer who is responsible for mm-hmm. getting things done and keeping it as legal on the surface as possible. And she's also got a fuck up. She's got a son, <laughs> her own son, yeah. her biological son, and he's just not good at anything, is he? He's good at he's good at lounging around, smoking weed he's, and having uh, sex. He's he's uh, sunny. Yeah, he's sunny, he's basically. Sonny Corleone yeah. from from The Godfather. Yeah, it's easy, and, to, and it's, the and yeah. the daughter is is a lot like Michael. In fact, she yeah, yeah. she it's like a combination between Michael Corleone and Robert Duvall's character's name. Is yeah, yeah, like, yeah, combine them of, both. Yeah. And the, the character is named uh, Kemi. She's played by um, Adesua Etomi. Uh, yeah, who I think is uh, Adesua Etomi Wellington now. I don't okay. know, um, but um, and that's sort of the, the framework. It's so easy. To look at any crime story, like any sort of organized crime story, mm. through the lens of The Godfather. And that's because The Godfather, okay. it didn't invent the genre, but it codified it. Yeah. So very, a, very much. A, most mob movies that came after The Godfather mm. 
are reflecting on it in some way. The Godfather, it, it's like Dracula. You know, yeah. we still you still have, can't look past Bela Lugosi. He set the yeah. standard, and, yeah. and that's the same with. Uh, Brando and The Godfather and all of the beats they're in and the things that happen in organized crime. And I think it's fair to say that even though like Scorsese was making organized crime films at the same time as The Godfather, I think even stuff like Goodfellas and Casino, he saw saw The Godfather. He knows it's a good movie. (laughs) You know, you're you're either consciously doing it or you're consciously undoing it. And structurally, King of Boys has a lot of similarities. Yeah. Um, however, there's a lot of it that's very specific, and I think that's the part well, that's really exciting about this. What, what I like, the, the Godfather is about sort of passing on the legacy. It's an intergener- intergenerational story. It's, yeah. it's a very Shakespearean story about sort of the the, the fall of uh, mm. of Michael, how he you know doesn't want to be have anything to do with the, his uh, life of crime, but caring for his father proves to be kind of his downfall. It's and kind it's, of a it's Henry the Fourth, Henry the Fifth kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there's and it's it's also very masculine. Uh, it's very macho. A lot of people look to those characters as sort of like male ideals, which I think is completely effed up. Uh, yeah, it's toxic so masculinity weird. is so bonkers. Yeah, but uh, look what, look I, what, what happens to them in those movies. It's not happy. Th- those aren't heroes, they guys. Don't, yeah, they don't they end don't well. <laughs> like it's not supposed to be a good thing. You live, you either you either die in the Godfather one or you live long enough to be in Godfather three. Either uh, one's a tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what I appreciate about it, King of Boys, is that it it stays with uh, with the lead character. It stays with Eniola mm-hmm. uh, throughout uh, throughout the way she is uh, tries to deal with her fuck up son, the way she tries to deal with uh, being betrayed, the, how she goes to prison, and what she needs to do to escape. It's her story, yeah. through and through. And, and I, we get to see her at the head of the literal head of a table. Yeah. It's like, like in Thunderball where she's sitting at this long <laughs> table and there's these super villains on either side and she murders one of them to make a point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, she's, she's like a, a proper super villain, but you really like her. Well, and I think that's, that's a, a really great thing about the character. And we get to see her uh, rise through flashback fall but also survive it's not about her death or her betrayal yeah it's about her survival it's actually not in in some respects Mm. it's not the same kind of moral story that we get in a movie like the godfather Mm. where it's all about oh it's so sad everyone died or everyone got corrupted it's actually it's hard not to view this film i think through a feminist lens and i think that's Mm. actually the most exciting thing about it in some ways is that it takes this genre which is very macho oriented yeah. i mean look at scarface scarface is oh, just the, say hello to my giant penis like that's the well, line translated that's also, what he's getting also, at you know it's de palma it's really over the top it's supposed to be kind of satirical he's not a hero yeah the way he was vaunted as this sort of like masculine hero mm. is, is well totally baffling it, it, to me. i don't think it's baffling in that mm. one though because that's a movie about the allure of excess mm. what's the line in that movie first you get the power first you get the money then you get the power then you get the women yeah. That's what it's all about. It is about the acquisition of things that they want, and they even objectify women to that degree. Yeah. Um, so that is a movie about the allure of living in excess, and I think that's kind of the trap that these movies sometimes fall into. It's a movie, it's a critique people have loved, even something like The Wolf of Wall Street, mm. where if we make, we, we want to understand the appeal of doing these horrible things, mm. but where is the line between showing that it's appealing to showing why it's appealing to making it look too appealing. Yeah. That's, that's an ethical concern with the way that we do our art. Mm. Um, and, and, uh, a lot of filmmakers 
make the assumption that we're kind of on their moral side. Yeah. Like we, we see that it's fun, but we understand that it's bad. And we're going to see this movie because it appeals to something dark inside of us. And if they let the villains get away with it, I think a lot of filmmakers are understanding that they're catering to a fantasy. They're not Mm. actually condoning this. The problem is that looks the same as condoning it. I feel like that's why, I feel like that's what the rating system should be more about. It's not about what naughty words you use. It's not about how many people get killed. It's about, are you, do we expect a young audience member to to understand the nuance of Sophisticated enough to understand the lessons of this. Yeah, because it's it's clearly like you could pick up the wrong lesson from a Scarface. You could pick Mm -hmm. up the wrong lesson from a casino or Goodfellas. um, If you're not paying close Mm -hmm. attention, if you're not really thinking about it. Not as much King of Boys, though. No, that's my point. That's my point. I actually think there's actually different in that regard. I think Mm -hmm. uh, those kind of movies are, they often fail. But they're trying to be these really blunt moral parables. And I don't think that's King of Boys. And I think it's my favorite. I think it's one of my favorite things about it. It's a a little bit morally gray. It's morally gray. Very, very, very much so by the end of the movie. Mm. Um, But it's also not a story in which just everyone fucking dies at the end. It's not about that. It's not about how... It's not this this kind of like Catholic morality tale where like Bobby and Susie didn't think they would go to hell for the first time that they had sex. And then, of course, mm, there was a gas leak in their car and they mm. died. Like, there's there's that very Catholic morality to a lot of Scorsese films in particular, I think. Because... Scorsese himself is Catholic. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. My point. So with King of Boys, we have a hero who she has a downfall, but it's not really about that. It's actually mm-hmm. about sort of that sort of living hell mm-hmm. where she the bad things that happen to her and the people that she loses, the people that do die around her. She has responsibility for that. And what I love about this is Sola Sabawale gets to give a performance where unlike, say, that sort of moral uh, uh, moral ambivalence of mm. Marlon Brando's Godfather or that, you know, cruel iciness of Michael Corleone. Um, she gets to feel things really, really mm. hard. She actually, like, we get to see her inner turmoil. We get to see her dreams. And when someone close to her dies, I'm not going to ruin who, but when someone close to her dies... She's got like a whole bunch of people around here who are like, it's like that screaming scene in Midsommar. It's just about like, we're just going to feel the grief as much as we possibly can. Hmm. It's not about like, and now I'll kill everyone you've ever known. It's like, no, I'm sad. Someone I love died. (laughs) Like I actually, I'm a human being. And that's something that I think makes this not seem like this Hmm. kind of like steely coolness. It's actually just like, no, like she's, she does a lot of cool things. She does a lot of fucked up things. She also feels things about all of those. Yeah. And I think that's really uh, interesting. Uh, and it, it's uh, interesting that you should bring up the, the Catholic angle. Um, a lot of the gangster movies do come from this angle of Catholic guilt because they yeah. come from a long tradition of Italian Catholics. Yeah, a lot of mafia movies are specifically about the Italian about, uh, the Italian, crime, the yeah. Italian Catholic traditions. Yeah. Um, I had to look it up while I was watching, like what the major religions of Nigeria are and yeah. what sort of religious and moral traditions they're drawing from. And it's about half and half um, Muslim and Christian. Yeah. And Catholicism is a very small part of those Christians. It's mostly other kinds. And they, they talk about Christ. They, the they quote the Bible a few times. Yeah. yeah. The, the characters are Christians, but they're not drawing from this long held Catholic tradition that they brought from the old country. They're here. This isn't an immigrant story. This is this is yeah. homegrown. And uh, as such, we're dealing with 
different um, moral stances and how a lot of these new people don't draw from any kind of religious tradition. They're not, they're not Muslim or Catholic. They're just sort of a religious and uh, like, they're not expressly atheists. They're just sort of yeah. not, fact, not really, and there's no moral th- code coming And sometimes they'll it. go through traditions <clears throat> yeah. uh, in order to solidify yeah. uh, their standing, but yeah. they don't necessarily believe in that. Right. And that's another thing where that is a generational mm-hmm. dynamic as well, where yeah. we have people who, you know, fought really, really hard for things and have strong, firmly held beliefs on things. And then there are people who believe if I steal enough money and kill enough people, I win. Yeah. And that's not the same kind of, I mean, mm. you could say that a character like An- Aniola Salami mm. is evil. I wouldn't fight you too hard. Yeah. Doesn't mean that she's not complicated or that there's, that's the only side to her, but she's not a good person. She does a lot of really, really, really terrible things, but she has character. Mm. Not that she is a character. She has character. She has principles. She has beliefs. There are things that she will do and won't do. And that sets her apart from someone who is just going to kill anyone and anything that gets in their way just because all they care about is the acquisition of power because they're boys. They're, they're boys and they, they figure out that that's the fast way. Yeah. It's the fast way to do it. If we're just tougher and faster and have more guns, then we win. Yeah which is naive, it's dumb, it's very masculine, and, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that ultimately they kind of fail. <laughs> yeah. Now, I don't want to say what happens at the end of the film, but I will say that the ending is is really, really good. Yeah. Uh, it, it's ultimately uh, the story about how Eniola has to... Um, the, the big story is that people don't find her as credible as she once was because mm-hmm. these young upstarts are now causing a lot more trouble. It looks like they might actually have more power than her. Well, it's that, and she's in a position. Also, where, the old, also the old folks to whom she stole power uh, want it back. Yeah, and there's and also so, yeah, people. She's not popular, and also there've always been uh, people more powerful than her, and they uh, refuse to let her. And there's grow uh, in, in station, uh, and the implication is strongly that there's a lot of inherent sexism yeah. in that. Yeah, she has to, yeah. to fight twice as hard just to stay still, and. Um, but uh, through all of this, it's not just about sort of keeping her power. She understands it's power that you know is going to keep her you know, important in this world. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of this is having, it has to do with her trying to maintain her dignity as somebody who actually is intelligent and can think through these systems and does have a moral code and who is not respected. And so when she is arrested, it's actually doubly humiliating for her. And there's a scene near the end of the movie where she's in a prison cell and just like is going, having all of these like horrendous flashbacks and essentially arguing with her former self mm-hmm. about how she got here and if she made the right decisions. It's a little mawkish and, and heavy handed. Yeah. Uh, it works well though, because we get to see how Eniola is really struggling in that moment. And yeah. uh, when we get down to the ending at first we see, I don't want to say what happens again, but uh, we see that she is um, suffering some pretty horrible indignities and we see that her, her dignity has been completely undercut and then there's this final twist that says, no, she's actually okay. Uh, which, and I appreciate that kind of double back, how it looks like she's hit rock bottom, mm-hmm. but really she's back on top. And, uh, yeah, and I, don't wanna, I, I can't I, say I, how. I, I, but, feel um, like, I feel like the story of Inyola Salami mm-hmm. is a story of she, she's succeeding within an immoral universe. And that's an immoral universe in which she found herself through no fault of her own at too young an age. Mm-hmm. Um, her options were limited and she took all the opportunities she could. And she made the most of them. Hmm. And in order to do that, she had to do some really heinous things. People were doing heinous things anyway. Yeah. People were doing heinous things to her. 
So she did what she could. And it's hard not to find within that story. And again, she kills people. She's really not nice. Hmm. But her dignity comes across. There's a there's a screenwriting trick I was taught in school. And I've never really... I don't think there are a lot of exceptions to it. And uh, the what I was told was there's... Everyone's so focused on trying to make sure your characters are likable. Oh. Likable is easy and often boring. You know, just to like, mm-hmm. oh, they like puppies. Cool. They're done. Likable, cool is, is cool. an offshoot of that. Yeah, exactly. What the trick that I was taught, and I think it mostly works, is we will like the character or at least respect the character, even if they're a bad person, mm. if they're good at their job. Yeah. Yeah. You show them that they have a job to do, and they're really, really... This is every movie Michael Mann's ever made, <laughs> except maybe The Keep. Like, it's just people who are good at their job, even if they're terrible human so, beings. Like, they're Like, Heat, those are not nice people, day, um, but they're good thieves, and you want to stay with them. Latter-day Mammoth, as well. Yeah. So... And that's I think I think a lot of crime stories that's what keeps us interested in a lot of people even though they're not good people mm. we wouldn't want to know them they're, they're in good, reality they're good at crime yeah so we want to see them do their mm. job and, and that and that can be fun as well you look at it like a heist movie yeah something like you know the Ocean's Eleven films those guys are really good at heisting casinos yeah it's a key to a lot of like heroes I think you look mm. at someone like I don't know Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler he's mm. a monster in Nightcrawler he's doing these horrible things to like get like salacious footage of car wrecks mm. but he's good at it and it's mm. fascinating to watch him do it breaking bad's another one of those where he's a he's a monster he's a terrible human being especially by the end of that of the end of that show but he's so damn good at making meth like he's so good at it like you can't like take your eyes off him because if, no matter what horrible things he does it's fascinating to see him succeed just because we we admire talent don't we and Aniola is really talented at a lot of the things that she does. But literally the entire world in which she operates is working against her. Like mm-hmm. the only person who isn't actively working against her, either by explicit design or through incompetence, is her daughter. Yeah. That's it. She's the only person she can consistently rely on. And that's a tough situation to be in. And so we want to see her persevere because we know she has it in her, even though she's a kind of a monster. Mm. And I think Solo uh, Sobowale gives a really fantastic performance showing all of that strength, but also the vulnerability that comes with that. Like when you're that attacked for so long, that scene you talked about, this like dream mm. sequence where her younger version of herself who rose to power and like broke people's necks at a table full of people, just like, that's my seat that person looks at who she is now and doesn't recognize her. Like what I would never have let what happened to you happen to me yeah. is basically the line. And she's been through more than that. She's raised two kids. She's been suffering these slings and arrows basically alone with no one to rely on for decades. It wears you down. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do even like even like a job that isn't that difficult. If you're doing it all by yourself for decades, it just wears you down. 
she's not a lot left of her. And so we're seeing this situation that expands involving uh, murder and bribery and corrupt police officers and uh, theft of money hidden in septic tanks, which is really gross. Uh, all of these things are conspiring just to destroy her. Yeah. And the question is, will she let it? And that's the part of the movie that feels really heroic and awesome. Um, I mostly like this movie. I really do. I don't know if it needed to be three hours. That, they, I feel like they, I feel like it, yeah, it's they, a little they, padded. Sometimes they, they included a lot of details. There's like yeah. long musical numbers. There's a lot of musicians in the movie. Yeah. Um, as as a Nigerian national epic, though, I think it really touched on something, and I think yeah. it did did stretch across. There's like dozens of characters, mm-hmm. and if you're paying attention. The guy who's being blackmailed by uh, this uh, sex worker and you know, who's living in this has something to do with an accountant who's connected to this and like all of the way the the crime machinations come down. A little complicated. You have to pay close attention. Yeah, you to, can't. To, this is, you can't there's, watch, there's little tiny plot points that are constantly being thrown at you. You can't play homescapes <clears throat> on your phone while watching this. You no, and, and it's you it's also bilingual. It's partially in English and it's partially in Yoruba. And I think. Uh, a couple other languages. A couple other like, like, like Nigerian yeah. languages. So you have to yeah pay attention, and they're constantly skipping throughout, like even mm. in single lines of dialogue. It's like a Bollywood film in that regard. Uh, so they're clearly trying to cover a lot of ground. Yeah. And if you're going to cover a lot of ground, I think you do need a big, long running time. That's uh, fair. Yeah. That's fair. It's like don't don't leave anything out. Let's just include it all. And uh, in in that, I respect that they just did include it all. It's it wasn't necessary for like plot or character development not necessarily i feel like the, i feel like the pacing could have been tweaked a little bit i think you could have yeah, lost i think yeah. you lost 20 minutes i think well yeah. what, what i like about it is that it kind of rises and falls a couple times throughout mm-hmm. we're used to movies moving in a certain way climaxes in one gigantic thing and i think this has a few little miniature climaxes that kind of build on each other after a while mm-hmm. yeah you could cut out one of those stories but well, i like i appreciate that they're in there. well and, and one thing i will say is that running time gives us such a richness to that world as you described Mm -hmm. that it makes me want to see more of it Mm -hmm. honestly and like this is one of those shows where i'm like this was one of those movies where i'm like this is a good movie this i like this movie a lot performances are mostly really really good it's Mm -hmm. a good uh interesting world in which we live familiar if you've seen the godfather but so is every mafia movie so i'm not going to complain too hard about that but i feel like the ultimate thing i can say at the end of it is i would watch a tv show that takes place after this Oh gosh, you and you know if this becomes popular enough as a film on Netflix, there's yeah. there's no way they wouldn't develop this into a series. I want to see like just I want to see her like fighting her way back up the ladder. Yeah. Or um, I don't I don't maybe maybe you do the the Godfather Part Two thing and make it more about like you know a couple of years ago, hmm. more stuff that she did. Yeah, about like the, the earlier young, on, young version of the character. Yeah. Or start it where it leaves off. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And yeah, and have it be about where the final setting of the film is. Yeah. I, that sounds really fucking awesome to me. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. It's, it's, it's frustrating sometimes when you watch a good movie. Now this isn't like the best movie I've ever seen or anything, but like mm-hmm. it's good enough that it's hard to single things out for like extended conversation without going. That part was neat. <laughs> right. I like that part. This character was good. Good writing. Like, I don't know. I, it, writing praise as a critic is so difficult. Like there's only like, you've got a stock little pile of adjectives right by your computer and you run out pretty quick after a while. There's only so many good. So there's so many bad things to compare things to 
that you when you have to compare things to good things all the time, when you have to use positive adjectives, you realize there are fewer positive adjectives than negatives, or at least more complicated <laughs> ones yeah. after a while. And the other problem that I run into as a critic, if there's a movie I just plain like, mm-hmm. I don't have a see a particular problem with it, I don't see even anything particularly like controversial that needs to be explored. I just think it's good, damn it. Mm-hmm. If I spend too much time praising it, I worry that I'm be- that I sound untrustworthy. Like, like you're overselling it. I sound yeah, like, like I sound like a hype man or something like mm-hmm. that, or like a, or like a barker, like come on in and see the fantastic new. <laughs> right, right. You know, and like, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, that's I, I not my job. Yeah. This, but this like, is. Uh, this is why so many critics like uh, say things like, oh, I prefer to see a bad movie than a boring one. Mm-hmm. Well, of course you do, because it's easy to write about a bad movie. Mm-hmm. You have things to say about it. You have you have all these adjectives you can dip into. Wow. Bo- a boring one is, you know, less interesting to write about. You have fewer things to say about it. Well, for me, I, a boring one is just it, it evokes no emotions in mm-hmm. me, and I'm just sort of sitting there stone-faced. The bad one, at least I'm feeling something. Uh, yeah, but I'd rather be stone-faced and bored than, you know, feeling active hate towards something. No. That's not a pleasant feeling. No, not... Wait a minute, hate might be a bit extreme, yeah. but, like, you know, just sort of just, like, having something to think about versus not having something to think yeah. about, I'd, pass. I'd rather watch, like, Death yeah. at a Funeral, just sort of a middling yeah. comedy, than, like, Human Centipede 3. Okay, well, again, which there, is, which is there just are revolting. Again, hate might be okay. something I'm not necessarily <laughs> looking forward to. And, yeah. and, again, there's something to be said for movies that lull you or uh, uh or that have a languid pace and make you and are sort of leisurely and maybe even what some people would call conventionally boring mm. there's a place for that there's certainly a, that's a certain kind of art form uh that can certainly be appreciated if you sort of get out of this weird headspace where you need to be constantly not just entertained but like distracted constantly yeah like it's not a movie's job to like keep your attention every single second. Like, you know, it's pacing and um, quiet moments and moments of reflection. Mm -hmm. These are all useful things. Um, But I think there's a difference between that and just not telling a compelling enough story to make me give a shit. So, so where, where does King of boys fall into this? There's a couple of moments where I feel as though the movie is a little too familiar or spinning its wheels a little bit. Yeah. But no, when I, all is said and done, I, I agree. Yeah, I think it's I think it's fair to say that like, and those are the parts that I feel like we didn't really need that mm. bit, like, or it could have been shortened, and I would have gotten the gist of it, and we could have moved on to the stuff that really works because the stuff that really works is everything with Solo Subawale. She gives a really really great lead performance. Mm. It's unlike any like mafioso performance I think I've seen, um, and yet she's just as threatening and just mm. as intimidating. As any mafioso. Like, I would love to see her as a Batman villain. Like, that kind of, like, larger-than-life sort of... I feel like... (laughs) It's frustrating because this is such a good performance, and it's in a movie that a lot of people won't see. Mm. Because they are uh, not excited by international cinema. Yeah. Um, And that stinks. And it sucks that there's, like... I, I hope people notice. This is one of those... Again, this movie's a couple years old now. Uh, hopefully the moment hasn't passed entirely, but oftentimes Hollywood looks to international film to say like, oh, that's an interesting actor. Let's make them the bad guy in the next Mission Impossible. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. 
But that often introduces those actors mm. to the world. Uh, look at Mads Mikkelsen, for example. Like He started off making some interesting international films, and then they made him the bad guy in Casino Royale, and he started getting bigger American roles, and now he's very well known here. Um, um, I already knew Mad- Mads Mikkelsen was, but that's because... Uh, Maybe you follow international movies. You, yeah. you follow. You follow other films. He, but he, we didn't know him from his American stuff yet. No, I'm trying to think. What, when did I first see Mads Mikkelsen? Yeah, I don't know what you first saw him. Did you see? Uh, did you see another round? No, I hear it's good though. It's, yeah, it's very good. Yeah, I haven't got around to it yet. I yeah. think it was like the Green Butchers. Yeah, I forgot. I, I don't remember why I saw. Oh, him. Who was was he in Pusher? Was that him? Oh, maybe so. Was yeah. He in Pusher. All right. Um, but anyway, I digress. So, like, yeah, make give her big roles, please. She's really, really talented, and mm. and uh, and uh, this uh, filmmaker, mm. uh, Kemi Adetiba. I hope I'm pronouncing that. Yeah, this is only this is only her second film. Yeah, and her first film was like the biggest film mm. in like Nollywood history, and the sequel so, to that film, which she didn't direct, mm. but like the sequel to that film is now like the biggest. So like she's she's made some hit films over there. I'm like, <laughs> this is the kind of person who like, hey, bring them over here and let them direct a James Bond movie. Like, let's mm. that's what they do. They find interesting a lot, people a lot from. Of, all over the world and they're like okay cool let's give them something mainstream and I'm like actually oh, I'd like to see her do that I think she's oh, got okay. a, a distinct flavor of I, this shows mm. her like hey let's do a Godfather movie but can you make it distinct she did. Like, that's also a very American attitude though let, let her come over here and do movies on, you know, on our you know you know, our, for our country you're right it's a little selfish how, isn't how, it? how about she just continue to make hits in Nigeria and make important Nigerian films and then bring them here where we get into them here. And that is absolutely what should be done. And yeah. I totally agree with that. My only concern is, and it's a cynical concern, some people won't watch non-American movies. Well, so that's, like, if that's you, why we're here is to, to sell people on Nigerian cinema. It's not my place to give career advice. I yeah. actually like to thank you for that. All that's right. that's some bullshit of, I just said. So, no, no, but my point is that I want her to be super successful and get to do whatever yeah, she wants yeah. to and, do. And, 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 those, and there's a lot of there's a, a lot of money in yeah. those big franchise pictures. I understand yeah. that, but uh, it's it, it is frustrating to me that so many of these big franchise pictures do tend to find. Um, uh, indie directors or f- like mm. first or second time directors who have made a few like really notable interesting hits with interesting ideas yeah. and push them into this big moneyed world right away where their voice is kind of drowned out by yeah. by the company line and so while it's good for their careers and good for their pocketbooks yeah it doesn't seem to be the best for them exploring like their own aesthetics and their own art. Yeah. I, you know, I, I wish there were a way where they could get that money and then do whatever they wanted. Yeah. Yeah, you know, here we we're gonna hire you on. Like, um, I'm I'm really ambivalent about Chloe Zhao doing a Marvel film. Yeah, because I she's already done it. It's in the can. It, it's in the can. Yeah, she made one, and yeah. I'm like, well, how much of that is gonna be Chloe Zhao, and how much of that is gonna be just the house aesthetic? Yeah, because Marvel's pretty like. Mm. There's a couple of filmmakers whose personality I think shown through to Taika Waititi. Yeah, ta- made ta- a very ta- Taika, Taika Waititi, Waititi movie. Uh, Shane Black, I think, is, is yeah. like. Because Shane Black could work sort of in that kind of movie. That's a he kind of invented I, that. Kind I, Iron, of movie, yeah, actually. Iron Man three is very much a Shane Black film. Yeah, but oftentimes um, people just get lost in that sort of Marvel yeah, tone, like, and that's what they're there for. Well, Kenneth Branagh made one. That anybody could have made that Kenneth Branagh movie. That's not a Mostly, Kenneth Branagh yeah. film. No, you know, in, no I mean I'm glad it gave his, way. his career wasn't like he hadn't made a hit movie in a while, so yeah. I think that kind of helped him out a little bit. But yeah. like, yeah, um, that's and that's a that's a totally fair point. However, sometimes it's interesting. There's always that thing like, well, like. You know, after they do their Marvel movie, they can do some like cool smaller mm. stuff. And I'm like, occasionally they do. Like Taika mm. Waititi went from Thor Ragnarok to Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, when I'm an Academy Award, I love that movie. I think it was a really good movie. Um, 
and that's an and that's a really daring movie. Yeah, that's, that's a movie that not everybody would have greenlit. It, and it, it would have been great if Taika Waititi could have just made Jojo Rabbit. Okay. Like, it's, it's like it's like one for me, one for you sort of thing. Yeah, and, I think he was and, working uh, on it beforehand. I remember I interviewed okay. him for what did I interview him for? Mm-hmm. I interviewed him for Hunt for the Wilder People. Okay, which is a great movie by the <laughs> way. See that movie? That movie's great. Um, but uh, and he was talking about. This movie he was working on, and it just it was just sort of a log line at the mm-hmm. time. But anyway, he had to make Thor first because okay. that was what was next for him. Um, so I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it had nothing to do with it. Maybe yeah, so, it didn't. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure uh, if uh, Kemi Adetiba wants to come to the United States. Yeah, and it's make not big my place American to movies. say. I, I regret uh, I regret viewing. Mm-hmm her career or the career of anyone really through this very limited lens of like well, but I, this I expectation under, you do yeah. a small movie then you do a big movie for a studio and then you have yeah, more freedom I, I that's, under, a, that's only one tiny way to do it but I, I understand your thinking because that's yeah. the way it's been operating for yeah. so long these n- notable Indian even international directors are being sort of swept up in this big machine and uh, and that it, and like I said, that's a good way to advance their careers. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson made a Star Wars film. I like that Star Wars film. It, I think it's it a great is a, Star Wars. It film. is a legit good movie. There's some weird ambivalence about it, sort of in the fan community for whatever that's I worth. I don't think it's ambivalence. Uh, I think it's just half and half. So it, we'll love it. Yeah, some people. And but yeah. he he chased that with a movie called Knives Out, which is this. Uh, I, th- I think it was Matt Zoller Seitz who says people don't like that movie. That's like not liking pastry. It's it's it's, yeah. a, it's a confection of a movie. It's wonderful. It's, it's not my favorite. Mm. Uh, I I think it kind of whiffs some of a social commentary. Mm. And yeah. I, I'm I, 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 no, your mileage is going to dramatically vary on this, but I was a little ahead of the movie. I think. Oh more well, often I, than it I, I don't. It's mind a who done it. It's a who done it, and I like to be surprised. And I was, okay. I kind of guest who did it too early and I, I don't it kind of it just kind of wasn't as fun for me as a when result. it comes to some whodunits I don't mind like no, going, it's going back to so. Kenneth Branagh he made he remade Murder on the Orient Express I knew who done it going a, in it's and, a good point and it's still a thrill that's watching a good it, point watching I guess, it unfold and I'm not I'd say I'm not making that, that that's not too bad but it's, it's a fun movie I like that mm-hmm. movie and he just apparently I, I, I don't know how true this is but I heard he retained the sequel rights and then he just sold the sequels like two sequels to Netflix for four hundred and fifty million dollars. <laughs> Good wow. for you, dude. So yeah, seriously, you made like an Agatha Christie mystery. Like when people were not making that shit, and you did it your way, yeah, so, and it's totally you. There's no one can claim that's not a Ryan Johnson movie, and you just turned that so, into a giant fucking money maker for you. So what? Well I, done. What I would love to see is is uh, Kemi Adetiba. Okay, she makes the Star Wars film. I don't want to see the Star Wars film she no, makes. We can skip I, that. We'll I, go I want to see if that, if that Star Wars film is successful, as they tend to be, what she does after that. Right. If she gets swept up in the Hollywood machine, or if she goes back to Nigeria with mm. all this extra lucre and yeah. makes an even bigger film cool. than King of Boys. Yeah. yeah King of cool. Boys Part 2, and it's like four yeah. hours long. It is an even more intricate story. There was a thing on Netflix when I looked up King mm. of Boys to watch it. It was like a... a Sometimes they'll have like uh, an image for like an upcoming thing mm. on Netflix, and it was also called King of Boys, and it was like something else. And I don't know if that's just another movie with the same title, mm. or if there's like a sequel coming. I hope there's a sequel coming because I want to see that shit. <laughs> Let's see that shit. I want to see that shit. So, mm. um, I want to say a big thanks to David Cooper uh, for recommending this film, asking us to uh, review it for you. Here on your critically acclaimed, mm. uh, and I want to give a big shout out to him, especially for uh, supporting the show, and that means a lot to us. And to those of you who have your critically acclaimed, they're in the queue. We're working on another one later this week. 
they're coming. We're mm-hmm. working on them, and we love these because so many people think that like what the audience for like film criticism is interested in is the same shit. Mm. Everyone's like, hey, people only like it when we like review Batman movies or whatever. Mm. And I'm like, actually, people have really interesting in tastes and ideas and they like to explore stuff often that like doesn't get that much attention or they want us to mm, like... But... It's so wonderful to see what people get super excited about because sometimes it's it's mainstream. That's cool too. I like a lot of mainstream stuff. But oftentimes we find films like this. Mm-hmm. And this is a movie that someone was really passionate about and wanted to share with people and wanted to boost the signal. I'm glad we could. So here, here we are doing that, and I'm yeah, I'm glad we can because I like it. Yeah, it's neat. I'd, I'd hate to watch this movie and hate it and talk about you. You need to avoid oh, yeah. this film you've never heard that, of. That would have sucked. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but we would have had to do it. Yeah. We would have had to do it. That mm-hmm. would have been the, that would have been the the job. Um, so thank you everybody for listening. Uh, again, King of Boys is currently available on Netflix. Pretty easy to find. Um, it might vary from country to country. I know we have some international listeners, uh, but uh, in America anyway, it's currently on Netflix. Mm. Um, and uh, you can head on over to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network and enjoy a whole bunch of free, uh, not free, uh, <laughs> that's the opposite of the point. But you can get a whole <laughs> bunch of exclusive shows mm. uh, that come with any tier, yeah. uh, including shows about Batman, Star Trek, Disney, commentary tracks. Uh, the Academy Awards, ton of stuff there, and yeah, one of the tiers you can uh, ask us to do a custom podcast for you, yeah. uh, and this is one of them. So uh, thank you once again. You can always email us letters at criticallyacclaimed.net is the email address, um, and um, yeah, we're on Twitter. That's right, we're on Twitter. <laughs> I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Together we are at Critic Acclaim, and uh, until next time, you're critically acclaimed. Yes, you.